Ephesians 4th chapter, 22nd verse through 32nd. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbors, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still, while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, they that, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawlings, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. That is God's word. Please be seated. Thank you, Leonard, for reading scripture, and I would invite you to open up your announcement sheet. Inside, you'll find a piece of paper that, if you've not already discovered it, it's a, it's a sermon outline, and uh, you can use it as we kind of go over some of the major points out of this passage this morning. Uh, one thing I would ask you to do, um, on the, uh, the order of worship, <laughs> what is the invitation song after the sermon? Wake up, O sleeper. What's the song after that? No, not one. <laughs> we got that out of the way. So, <laughs> we are going to continue looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 32. And we're going to begin with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into it. Uh, you'll notice down at the bottom that there are some questions for our small groups. If you're uh, a part of a small group tonight, make sure that you look at those questions as they pertain to what you're going to be talking about uh, from the sermon this morning tonight in your, uh, your small group. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you did not abandon us. But even in our ugliest state, you saw a beauty in us, and there was an ocean of love in your heart that would not let us go. And not only have you saved us and redeemed us from the, the, the sin that is not just rampant in the world but was at one time rampant in our heart but you you are changing us through your spirit to be the human beings that we were always supposed to be through your spirit through your word through our volition our our own will father hungering and thirsting after that kind of righteousness to be transformed into people that look like the christ and so as we study this passage this morning, Father, what we're asking in the name of the Christ is that 
you will give us eyes to see it and ears to hear it. And with all of the ways that that converges in our life for us to be changed. Thank you not only for this blessing, but for this gift. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all the church said. About 13 years ago, nearly to the day, in a, a town in Georgia, a small town called Richmond Hill, uh, there was found uh, a, a man who was unconscious. He was naked. He was covered in, in uh, ant bites. Uh, he was, he was uh, completely, completely out of his mind even when he came to. He was found behind a dumpster of a Burger King. And the employees found him. And uh, they called 911, and the ambulance came and they and got him. And when they began to do a medical uh, examination of this fellow, they noticed that there, there were three deep depressions in his skull, that he had obvi- obviously been the, uh, the victim of some, some, uh, some blunt force trauma. And that also explained why when he came to and kind of gathered himself a little bit, he had absolutely no clue who he was. All of his memories had been erased. He, he had amnesia. And just for the sake of, of making things easier on himself and for other people, he took the name Benjamin Kyle. He spelled it with Benjamin. He spelled that with two A's. And for 10 years, he lived in that community, and the community took care of him, and the community in, in large part really helped to try to put his life back together again. And after 10 years... Uh, through some DNA evidence that was made available and that they had discovered in trying to figure out who this guy was, they discovered that he was truly William Burgess Powell. That all the pieces of his life were now going to be put back into place and he was going to become the person that he was born to be, William Burgess Powell. Now, I, I, I don't think that we even begin to understand the greatness of the joy of discovering and becoming, coming into your fullest identity. But that is something that happens when you become a disciple of Jesus of Nazareth. You become the person that you were always supposed to become. All of those pieces are coming back together. All, of, all that you were supposed to be and meant to be, all of that becomes a part of who you are. I love this quote by, by Rick Warren. He says, God will build his church if we will build people. I believe that is absolutely true. And that's part of what the text is talking about this morning. But go to the beginning in your Bibles, the beginning of chapter 4. Paul writes, as he gets, gets ready to deliver this portfolio of what it means to be a disciple at the end of chapter 4, at the beginning of that chapter, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received that there is this life that you aspire to. And in aspiring to that life, there are these attributes that become a part of who you are. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Now, some of the older translations have the word forbear or forbearance. What Paul is describing when he's writing this letter about 2,000 years ago to the community of believers, to the church in Ephesus, What he is describing is a church. It's a community in which there is no rejection. If there's trouble between brothers or brothers and sisters or sisters, if there are troubles or misunderstandings or grievances 
or disputes or whatever there might be, then they are to be handled in humility and in gentleness and in patience and a love that bears up people. In this community that Paul is describing, people do not go off and and sulk in in anger. They don't stew in in resentment. They don't go off and, and assassinate character. They don't try to create a grassroots movement where people begin to uh, com- they compile people and accumulate people on their side as if the number of people that hear one side of the story is ever going to be able to determine the truth. When Jesus was ministering to his own people, his own disciples, when they were struggling in the middle of an argument with each other over who was going to be the greatest, Jesus says to them, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's interesting to me that he doesn't say that it's all going to boil down to what you believe or what you say, but how you love. And one of the ways that love is demonstrated is in the way that we, verse 15 of Ephesians 4, speak the truth in love to each other. The quickest way to confirm love or the absence of love is in our words and the words that we speak to one another. Or the kinds of things that we say about other people in our church family. Now the text that we are focusing on this morning is just a continuation of all of this speaking and all of this truthfulness and all of this love and what it means in a practical way. Paul says, now verse 29 is where we're going to focus. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. It's interesting that he says, but only, the only thing you're supposed to say, the only thing that's supposed to come out of your mouth is that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may what? Say it. Benefit those who listen. So basically, we just have a two-point sermon this morning. The first point is words can, can tear down. It's kind of negative. The positive side of that is words can build up. Now that, let's think about those, those two things a little bit more deeply for a couple of minutes. Number one, the, the power of words for evil. Words can really tear somebody down. When you think about all of the hurt that you have experienced in this life, think about the fights you've been involved in or, or, or the misunderstandings or the grievances or, or the, the ways that people set themselves up against each other. It always sort of boils down to words and what people say to each other. You know, now that I have this little granddaughter, I've been rediscovering the great theology of kids' songs. There's this, this song up on the screen that the words are, are perfect theology. I don't know who wrote it, but the words are, Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say, for the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little mouth, what you say. What are we singing at? Ben? Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little mouth, what you say. And everyone said, that's right. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. 
words are a big deal in the Bible. The fact that we have a Bible full of words teaching us the truth of God should underscore that, but we forget it from time to time. But when we think about words in the Bible, I mean, go all the way to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, right after the table of contents. How did God construct the heavens and the earth? Words. He spoke, and it was what? So. God spoke. To speak is in part what it means to be made in the image of God. When you speak as a human being, which is different from any other kind of communication in the world by any other type of animal or organism on the planet, when you speak as a human being, it is different from anything else, and in part, it's what it means to be made in the image of God. And as we experience, as disciples of Jesus, a growing spirituality, we are taught to be mindful of what we say, to be mindful of our words. Why? Because sin makes a beeline for our words. This is what Jesus had to say about it in Matthew chapter 12. He says, A good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in him. You see, the, 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 one of the things that he's saying there that sometimes is, is lost on us is he's not talking about some kind of legalism when it comes to words. He's not saying you've got to think, 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 think about all of your words and this is a law that you've got to obey. He's talking about somebody who has become a good person in their heart and their words are just, are just revealing that to everyone else. A good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in him and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty, some of the translations mean idle, it means words that just do nothing, they're empty, for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Somewhere on your, on your tablet or your, your, smone, your smart device or your Bible, circle that word account. You know, in our, in our world today, in, uh, in the United States, we'll just talk about our own nation, you can go down to the academy or the Bass Pro Shop or one of the gun shops here in town and you can buy a firearm of some sort, right? You can buy a pistol, you can buy a rifle. But the thing you can't do is just walk up to the counter and buy that firearm like it was a cappuccino from Starbucks. I mean, that cappuccino may be loaded with caffeine, but in no way is that as dangerous as a loaded weapon. And so when you buy the weapon, you pick one out, before you pay a cent for it, one of the things that that clerk behind the counter does is make you fill out some paperwork. And I mean, you fill out everything from Social Security to where you live to, to references to phone numbers to ways that you can be contacted to emails, all of these kinds of things. And then you hand it back to the clerk. And then you stand around the store for about 30 minutes as they go through this background check, including the FBI. And then after about 30 minutes... They call you back up to the front, you complete the sale, and you walk away with that firearm, but you're not even allowed to carry it through the store. They carry it to the front door for you, and then you carry it out, and you take it home. But that weapon is now registered with law enforcement. And the reason that that weapon is registered with law enforcement is that law enforcement really cares about how that firearm is used. Now, one of the things that... that Paul is telling us, and, and Christ has told us in Matthew chapter 12, 
is that we're going to have to give an account of every word that we have spoken, which means that every word that we have ever uttered, I've uttered, you have uttered, in private and in public, has been registered in heaven. Because heaven cares about how words are used. The words you say publicly and the words that you say privately when you think no one is listening, those are registered words in heaven. And there is someone who is always listening to every word that we speak. And because that's true, Paul says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now that word unwholesome drives me nuts a little bit because it in no way conveys what it is that Paul is actually actually driving at. He says, don't let words come out of your mouth that look like rotten and decaying meat. Now most people are going to say, you know, I don't speak like that. And I would say it certainly probably doesn't look that way from the horizon of the fallen earth. But when you use words that tear people down, that's exactly what it looks like to heaven. James, the brother of Jesus, says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. That there is something hypocritical about that. You know, John is going to talk about how can you say you love God the Father and hate your brother? They don't connect. James will say the same thing about our speech. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. What, you know, what does it mean to curse somebody? What does it mean when James is saying, you praise God, but you curse brothers who are made in the image of God? Well, to curse someone means that you're trying to destroy them. When you use your words like this, it means that you're trying to make another human being who is made, according to James, in the image of God, you're trying to make that person ugly. It is to do to a person or to do to a church or to a church program what a vandal does to a house. It is to make someone made in God's image ugly. And that's why gossip is never innocent. That's why gossip is never, ever innocent. Now, you know, you're always working on definitions of, of words. Gossip is tearing down someone or something in order to establish yourself. It, it, it's, 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 it's to rectify some hurt, so you tear something or somebody down. Or it's something that you don't like, and so you tear it down in order to establish what it is that you want and your desires. It is, it is to tear something down, to tear somebody down in order for you to be established. Now, I want to say again, this is not just another law that we legalistically follow. If you do, it will drive you insane. You know what it's like driving at rush hour. I mean, you're driving and driving and driving and driving and you're doing pretty good throughout the day, but in that unguarded moment, you get upset and you use your words to curse somebody. 
you're going to exert a lot of strength and energy to control your mouth, which is impossible because in that unguarded moment, you're going to let the rotten meat just fall out of your mouth and those words just bounce on the highway. When Paul, earlier in the text, said that you take off the old nature and put on the new self, he's talking about this nature from the inside out where you understand that from the inside out you're working towards righteousness and true holiness. That's what it means to take off that old self and put on the known, uh, put on the new. He's talking about people who are being transformed. He's talking about people who do not want what they want now. He's talking about people who desire not to desire what they desire now, but to desire what the kingdom of God desires. And so we have to be reminded from time to time that the power of words can be for evil sometimes but also for good. And that's where he, he, he completes that verse, the power of words for good. He says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. One of the ways that you build up people, one of the ways that you build people in, in, in the kingdom of God, you use your words. I mean, how great is encouragement? You get one of the little pink cards in the mail, or somebody hands you one, and it's, you know, somebody noticed that you did something that blessed somebody else or blessed them. They, they saw something that you did that reminded them of what it was like to, to uh, or what it is like to live as a disciple of Jesus. They see something in you that just, just blesses them and they want to bless you with their words and they want to say, I caught you doing something good and I want you to know about it. Keep on doing it. I mean, encouragement is a wonderful thing. I mean, just think about the word. The word encourage is a French word. It means to, to, uh, to, to encourage is to put courage in. I mean, you hear it in the word, right? To encourage is to put courage in someone's heart. I mean, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a, a military word in a lot of ways. It's the image of young men who are going off to war. Young men. Some of them untried, inexperienced have never been in that context before, so they're unsure, they're unsteady. Some of them frightened, many of them faltering. And as they march off, and think about the ancient world, where everybody gathered as the soldiers were marching out of the gate to meet this enemy that was coming to enslave them. And all of the things that are going through their heart and through their mind and through their soul and physically viscerally through their body as they're marching through that grade the the fear and the and being untried and unsure and what it's going to be like and then all of a sudden they begin to hear the voices the voices of of family the voices of of the old men the old soldiers who are shouting out to them strength and courage and be steady and chin up don't be afraid you can do it. You're trained. You, you have strength. You have power. And that's what they hear as they're going out. And it's, it's everyone trying to put courage in them as they go out and they meet the enemy. Build them up. You know, there are a lot of brothers and sisters who put on their armor of God and they set off to do battle every day and they never hear a single word one way or another. Our new Christians, our new brothers and sisters, 
I wish you'd just start a practice here at Mac that when somebody uh, gives their life, they confess that Jesus is their king, that, that God is their father, that they recognize that, that lostness is not so much where they're headed as who they are, and they need to be saved from themselves, and that they're going from, from darkness into light, but that the darkness is never all that far away, and the darkness is going to try to suck them back in, that they get inundated and overwhelmed with words from the old soldiers who remind them to pray and to read God's Word, and we're praying for you, and to be strong, and do not fear. That's what it means to build somebody up, to benefit those who listen. But there's a flip side to that coin as well, right? There are a lot of brothers and sisters who put on the armor of God, and they set off, and what they hear is, I told you so. They hear judgment. They hear, you'll never change. They hear, here we go again. Or I don't forgive you. Or why do you have to be so weak? Or you deserve what you get. I say unto thee, repent remember that words have a nearly unparalleled power of penetration you know we, we joke about this you know that saying sticks and stones may break my bones but what will never hurt me words really somebody said that words have an unparalleled power of penetration to hurt and to damage not just for the moment or for even the day but for a lifetime it may be your own life or somebody that you're very close to somebody that you love very deeply and you know how they struggle to this day years after the fact with some unkind word that was not true that was said to them and it stuck This verse, in verse 29, becomes a measuring stick for the intent of our heart to speak. To not just say good things, but to be the kind of people that saying the kinds of things that need to be said, that build people up and benefit, that, that's just kind of naturally who we are. That's not to say from time to time, you have to say something uh, negative. Sometimes you do. But to be the kind of people that says, you know, not allowing the rotten meat to fall out of the mouth, but to say things that build humans up and benefit them? Absolutely, that makes sense for sure. We're going to do that. To be that kind of a person, to have that kind of heart, that becomes our measuring stick. And as a church, we must recognize that we interact with different people at, a, at, a, at the social level, as, as different as light is from dark. That words can heal like radiation to a tumor. That words can change a life for good. That words can help build up a life. That words can strengthen the faint-hearted. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to praise God with words. Right now, Ben's going to lead us in a song, and we're going to praise praise God with words. 
that overflow. We're not going to praise God because it's legalism. You come on Sunday at 10 o'clock, 10.30, and that's what we do. And if I miss it, then I'm going to hell. And that's Worship is who we are. It's our heart. And those words that natural the, the you know that that becomes spiritually natural for us that well up when we think about God these words are so important but it's also a reflection of the way that we speak to other people and it's a, it's it's a reflection of the day when the words of the gospel made sense to us and we said you know what i was i was blind but now i see i was lost but now i'm found because somebody told me the truth about who I am and the truth about God and his love and the world, and the gospel and all of that. And while we're singing this song, it's an opportunity for you. If, if, you've, if you've never made that connection with Christ, we want you to make that today. There is no other life for us as members of this church body, there's no other life for us except the one that recognizes that God the Father created us and His Son died for us and we are now on a different trajectory, not just for today or for tomorrow or for the end of the life in this world, but for all of eternity. And if this somehow is connecting to you this kind of life, we want you to talk to the shepherds who are going to explain to you what you do to respond to the gospel. Or it might be that we need to pray for you. And you know, that's another good way for your words to be used, right? Is to pray for people, to intercede, to lift their name up. Do you know what a blessing it is to know that somebody said your name into the ear of God and ask God to bless you, to lift you up, to help you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, to help you change, to help transform you? to help you on that trajectory of being a person of darkness and becoming a person of beauty and of light. If there are some ways that we can minister you through prayer, whatever it might be, come down and talk to these shepherds while we stand and with one voice sing praise, the words of praise to God. Let's stand and sing. My God has said His light will shine, His light will shine in hearts of men. The fruitless deeds of darkness past, revealed by Christ with glorious end. Wake up. Wake up.